and welcome. We're in 1978 this week with Richard Burton, Richard Harris, Roger Moore and Hardy Kruger, the four leads in the acclaimed war movie The Wild Geese. Bob Simmons gets the credit for Action Arranger, and there's plenty of it. Stuntmen Rocky Taylor, Greg Powell, Clive Curtis and George Cooper all play roles as mercenaries dropped into a fictional African nation to kidnap former President Limbani and take him to safety. The first action is set upstairs in a casino in London, where the local godfather has put a huge contract on Roger Moore's life. Sean, it's out. Alan. Well, not even a hearty handshake. Uh, a Sean, my boy, how are you? Nothing? Clown. Oh, clown. Well, at least that's a start. Now, would you mind telling me what you're doing here, thank God? If we live, I'll tell you about it. Idiot. Clown and idiot. You always were a flatterer. Car just pulled up to the back door. Ah. Braver. What are you doing? Recycling a bicycle. Maniac. Oh, is that smashing? Everybody's calling me names. There's another car in front. I think we'd better do a little praying. Somebody's trying to lift this contract. What contract? Who? Would somebody mind telling me what's going on? Rafer, what are you carrying? Carrying this and this. Sort of balances me up. Clearly, Finn has no idea he's in danger. Up the back stairs come a fistful of the Godfather's men. George Leach, Terry Richards and Tim Condren are the stuntmen in this group. Rafer drops his grenade into the landing and it goes off, killing two of the henchmen just before the contract gets lifted, which was unfortunate. The gentleman should have waited three minutes. All right, let's get out of here. The last thing we need is the police. What are we waiting Next, we move on board a C-47 aircraft provided by the South African Air Force. This is how the wild geese will skydive into their drop zone. For this scene, the production required 50 skydivers to perform the jump in military uniform. But there weren't that many available in 1978 during production, so request was left at the hands of Richard Charter, a fixer for the government and a liaison between the military and the rest of the world. was reliable in this instance and found experienced skydivers who quite literally jumped at the chance to be on film. Another reason for the excellence of this scene has to be John Glenn's directing and editing. Filming at 72 frames per second, he was able to catch all 50 men jump from the rear of the plane and provide an iconic moment in cinema. 
but not before communication broke down between him and the jump plane. Finally managed to get a message to the pilot to tell one of the skydivers to throw a newspaper out of the back just before they jumped so he could start filming. Luckily, they did. And the rest is history. Let's talk to stuntmen Greg Powell and Rocky Taylor now about their time working on the movie and their memories of that shoot. Uh, you know, people will ask me, um, you know, what film did I really like working on? And that always comes to mind is The Wild mm. Geese. I mean, I've worked with a lot of actors like a lot of other guys, but Richard Burton, yeah. what a great actor to oh, work yeah. with, you know. Yeah, yeah. Roger, Roger Moore, who I've known since a kid because mm. the dad used to work on The Saints. Richard Harris, of course, who I work again with on uh, Harry Potter. Yes. Hardy Kruger, Jack Watson, you know, and, and I've become very friendly yeah. with uh, Andrew McLagan, who was the director of that film. It was just a, a, a great atmosphere on that film because we was out in the Northern Transvaal in Africa. So yeah. everyone, everyone was on location. Mm. Everyone was at the same resort. So when you went out in the evening, you all went to the same bar. You right. went to the same restaurant and you actually mixed together. And it became, we were there for, I think it was like nine weeks out there. And everyone on their days off used to spend around the pool or it was a great spa back then. Yeah. Uh, so you, it was just, you know, you'd be sitting, sitting there talking to Richard Burton on a day off. On one particular, Richard Burton, Richard Harris, Rocky, myself, I think it might have been Chris Chattel, was sitting in the bar, late one, everyone had gone to bed, and Richard Harris ordered 24 Irish coffees. And we sort of looked around, who was that for? It went us. And we carried on drinking <laughs> Irish coffee that, that night. But that was the sort of job, you know, we used to, you know, um, they used to have these villas on top of the wheel. We used to walk back with them. And, or that when you could hear Richard Harris coming from like 100 yards away, because he bought the walking sticks, which would suddenly become snake sticks. Oh, and right. he'd, be walking, he'd be walking down from his, his uh, villa up in the woods smashing trees about just to get rid of snakes but they wouldn't touch you anyway but if you disturb them they're yeah, going to go exactly. for it and he yeah. must have disturbed loads of them because he used to there was a big it was a, a four foot path to his villa by the time he finished that film it was like 15 foot wide to, <laughs> to pieces Bob said if you want to come away on the wild geese Rocky I went wild geese what's that film I mean I'd love to and uh, he got us all together about, there was about 10 of us if I remember. And the greatest thing is that when Richard Harris came in, we all kept talking and said, so Roger came in, hello Roger, how are you? And all the stars came in. And when Burton came in, and he looked, he looked spectacular in his white shorts, white, white jumper, suntan, mm. and we all looked up and there he was, and the whole of the restaurant all put their knives and forks down and stopped eating, it all went quiet. Oh. When, before all, all the stuff, we all got there and all the stump members called Bob, Bob Simmons to come and sit down in the courtyard. Mm -hmm. And um, we were introduced to all the, all the, the actors, all the stars. Yep. And I'm sitting down cross-legged like on the floor of all the, all the stump in there. And all of a sudden I remember Burton coming up and going, I want to speak to Rocky Taylor. And I went, I mean, I put me hand up. I said, that's me, sir. Hello, sir, that's me. He said, ah, Rocky, yes, he said, know your father very, very well. 
just want to say hello and welcome. That was nice. I know there's there's a scene in the picture where obviously you're you're driving uh, uh, you're driving one of the trucks with Richard Harris, and yeah. there is also a scene where you die or you get shot at Richard Burton's feet. Uh, That's right. I get shot by that. That was that was at the bush. Yes. I'm sitting there like that. Bang! I get shot. It looked very vicious. But it did, and of course uh, Burton does a bit of a double take and then runs off because he's, he's, he's realised he's uh, he's in the line of fire. I guess he he's in the line of fire. That's right. And he looks at me, pushed me away, and I drop down dead. Um, <laughs> uh, what? So the the bridge sequence. There's that big fire sequence on there. Were you involved? The big fire in sequence was on the yes. The, the fire sequence. Greg Powell was driving the track for that one. Yep. And it all blows up. We all dive off the bridge into the water or into boxes. I think it was made out. It was water. So yeah, about eight of us all dived off the bridge with a great big explosion, massive explosion. It was huge. It looked massive. I've, I've seen. It that. was. It was. Well, it was supposed to be a ammunition right. truck. Okay. Um, was it Le- Les Bowie? Was the uh, action? Uh, Les Bowie. That's right. Yeah. Le- oh, Les. Yeah. God Almighty. Yeah. He, he was a wonderful guy. He, um, but everybody, everybody was frightened of him. Because <laughs> he was. Bowie. I think initially, I seem to remember him. In suggesting that for the actual shot on the bridge where the guys are on fire, that he would use his um, fire jacket, where it had like a, a ring in the back of it. But I, I don't think that would. I don't believe that finally happened. It was no, not that. I can it remember. was gel, was yeah. it? It was gel. Yeah, it was gel. gel. Okay. Um, and, and the other thing I wanted to ask you was: uh, there's some extraordinary explosions that go on during the course of all of that as well. Uh, later on and of course there's trampoline explosions were, were you involved in those? I did a couple of trampoline bangs yes right. uh, because they were you know you, you, you tread on them and they throw you up in the air when exactly. the explosion goes yeah they were very very effective they, they were a bit dangerous you, if you didn't hit them right you could break your back you know so you exactly. had to make sure you hit them right but th- this, these were trampolines though this wasn't a case of this is long before an air ram or something of that oh yeah you jump, you run along jumped on the tram and as you hit the tram they blew it right so it was the, the special, special effects guy was, was timing it the special okay. effects was timing us running along seriously going in the air and then hit the ground as we hit the ground we came back up and as we came back up that's when he put the, the bomb in so right. it looks like he's blown us from behind good stuff Thank you to Greg and Rocky. Now, let's turn our attention to getting President Limbani out from his jail cell with the help of cyanide-tipped arrows and a crossbow. Richard Burton was suffering with his back during filming, so was doubled by Bob Simmons for some of the running scenes. Hardy Kruger's character uses a crossbow to pick off the guards in the watchtowers. The final guard is killed by the bolt from the crossbow and falls from the tower to the ground below, doubled by stuntman Clive Curtis. Also worth mentioning here that Clive Curtis is the only black stuntman on the British Register back then in 1978. The mercenaries are all white, with the exception of Jesse, played by actor John Canney, and President Limbani, who is played by Winston Nashona. The army that the mercenaries must fight are called the Simbas, and for the action scenes they are all doubled by Clive and the other British stuntmen. Aaron, 
I've got something to say to you. I'll give it to you emotionally first, and then rationally if I have to. This man, um, Madison? Right. Well, he gave us the royal screwing of all time. Now, my first instinct is to give it back to him, but bigger. Yes, me too, but that's for some other time. Ah, no, 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 it's for now. We came to get Limbani. We've got him. I say we use him. We show him to his tribesmen. They think he's been reincarnated. They're about ready for a civil war anyway. Maybe we can start it. God knows, maybe we can even win it. Hot. Right there. Now, you listen to me, Rafer. I've got 50 good men down there, and their lives are my responsibility. I'm not on any bloody crusade. I don't want to do battle with you, Rafer, at least not now. So just get on with it and get us out of here. All right, all right. Then I'll give it to you rationally. The North is out of the question. Why? What have we got hold of the, the ferry to Burundi? I wouldn't cross that lake in a destroyer. Endorphus planes would pick us off like ducks. They wouldn't let us into Burundi anyway. No Rwanda. Zambia's too far, and uh, east, 600 miles of jungle. Totally impossible. Well, that still leaves the South. Exactly. South. Limbani country. Now, I know it well. There's a dried river there and an old stone bridge. If we cross that bridge, we're on our way to Kalima. Well, what's in Kalima? Limbani was born there. I think it can work, Alan. Rafa. Well, for God's sake, it's the only chance we have of accomplishing something from this whole fucking mess! Fifty men in the Valley of the Shadow, and he wants to take over an entire country. Well, we've got no bloody place to run to! So why not stand and fight? And for a cause. For two causes. One, Limbani. He's the best there is. Words from your own lips. And two, Madison. You know, Rafer, sometimes it's almost a pleasure knowing you. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Never oh, help me. I'm in the hands of maniacs. The dry riverbed Rafer refers to is where the next action set piece in the movie takes place. The script called for a plane dropping two bombs onto the mercenary's convoy. A vehicle is set alight and some of the men are killed. Greg Powell and George Cooper are the men seen on fire in the sequence. Special effects supervisor Les Bowie had worked closely with Bob Simmons to provide as much safety equipment as possible for the fire sequence, but... The one thing that was difficult to get hold of, believe it or not, was fire extinguishers out there in the barren location. So paddling pools of water were placed out of shot, enabling Greg and George to leave shot and submerge themselves in the water, putting themselves out. A bit Heath Robinson, but essential in that incredible heat. Jesus. Not even Jesus could get through that lot. The final battle takes place on the airfield as the mercenaries are trying to get out. Roger Moore's team have secured the airfield and he's killed his own stunt double, Martin Grace, who plays the commandant who's in charge of the troops. Bob Simmons took locals who were dressed as Simba soldiers and worked with stuntman Jazza Jays to create the hand-to-hand -hand combat scene in the film. These men were taught how to bring their rubber swords down on an actor or stuntman doubling him in such a way to get the right effect on screen without causing actual injury. And yes, if you get hit with a rubber sword in the wrong part of your body when you're not expecting it, you would not be amused. So that's why these men were taught correctly how to attack for the big screen. The mercenaries fly off to safety leaving some of their friends behind on the battlefield. President Limbani is safe, but for how long? The Wild Geese is a wonderful example of a depiction of war in the 1970s, 
with the very biggest and best stars the cinema had to offer. Remake it again today and it just wouldn't work. Too much CGI ruining the feel of the picture. Too many topical twists to fit in with the world today. And the wrong actors cast in the roles. Burton, Harris, Moore and Kruger in those lead roles with Stuart Granger, Frank Finland, Barry Foster as the supporting cast is as perfect as you could ever get. Then of course you have Bob Simmons, a man renowned the world over as the very best in his field. In the words of Joan Armour Trading's wonderful theme song that manages to capture the sense of togetherness on set, in character and after filming, the flight of the wild geese brings a new hope, rescued from all this. Old friends and those newly found. There you go. That's it for this week. Thank you for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube channel. If you get a chance to leave a five-star review, that would be hugely beneficial to the success of this podcast. Until next week, bye for now.